Christmas, and welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer, targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my co-host and drinking buddy, John Ream. How you doing tonight, John? Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays, all that. Ready to talk beer. <laughs> all right. Hey, beer goes well with the holidays. For all the new listeners out there, Tap the Craft is a craft beer podcast hosted by two craft beer enthusiasts who are not experts, but who just enjoy drinking, talking about, and learning about craft beer. And we're here to help you help you learn about the craft beer hobby and maybe get into it like we are. And we don't talk to this in high speak, you know, college science, beerology speak. We talk to you guys in layman's terms, everyday speak, so that, hey, you know what? We want you to be able to understand how to enjoy this this, uh, hobby and how to get the most out of it. And the best way to do that is to talk to you on normal terms. We encourage all of our listeners to write into the show and to provide your experiences and knowledge and ask any questions that you might want answered on the show. I have to admit that we have a great following and great listeners that are always providing some fantastic questions. Also, we encourage you to write a review in iTunes. Uh, that just helps the show get noticed in, in iTunes so that we can get more listeners and more followers and we can get this, this podcast uh, out to more people. And I just want to give a big thank you to Tim Price and SpongeBobbies for your reviews. This is episode 11. We're recording on Monday, December 22nd, 2014. And in this episode, we're going to discuss holiday recipes that are enhanced with beer. So, you know, some recipes that you can make during the holiday season that uh, use beer. We're also going to discuss a food pairing segment with burgers and dogs. And we also have our listener participation tasting notes with the New Belgian's Fat Tire Amber Ale. So, hey, I hope you guys prepared for, for this episode and went out and bought some Fat Tire so you can drink and taste right along with us. And this is a good one to have around on Christmas Day with your family who may not really be into craft beer. You can, you know, bribe them with this beer that's closer to craft. Yes. You know what? And that's that's a good segue into into that section because, well, I'll just tell it now. I think this is actually a pretty good beer, a gateway beer for people who are looking to get into craft beer from the mainstream domestic offerings. So... So stay tuned. All right, John. Well, you know what? It's happy hour, and a craft beer show wouldn't be much of a show if we didn't drink some beer. So please tell me you are drinking beer tonight. I am drinking beer tonight. So I mentioned in the last episode that my wife has put together this advent calendar for me, a new beer every day leading up to Christmas. So today's beer is from uh, Base Camp Brewing out of Portland. Uh, and it is their Northwest Fest, which is actually their like Oktoberfest Martzen beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really nice and malty, a great color, and actually a, a bit of oak. Uh, I think they, they they must put this in uh, agent on oak, a little oak. So um, very pleasant, and uh, really enjoying it so far. Oh, nice. Was it in one of those nice aluminum? bottles or is it oh yeah i meant to mention that yeah these if you're ever in an area that they distribute i don't know how wide that is right now but uh they've got really slick uh like 22 ounce aluminum bottles Mm -hmm. with 
the you know all maps and like topography all over it they look really cool yeah so yeah i i've uh i've had a couple of their offerings here in in our area and i i think that they do a great job with that with their with those aluminum bottles and and the artwork and stuff it just kind of it really stands out and that's what Sometimes you need a beer to stand out a little bit different just to catch someone's eye because there are so many offerings out there that, you know, sometimes just that little extra, you know, thing that catches that person's eye may just be what they need to, to pick up at least one, if not a six pack of whatever you guys got. So, yeah. And if, if you ever are in Portland, they have a really cool tap room. So definitely right. check it out if you're in, in town. All right. I'll have to make sure I, I make it there next time I'm in Portland. All right, I'm also drinking tonight, John. I've been drinking since five o'clock. Uh, I, you know, I'm actually off this week for for the holiday break, uh, I, but I didn't start drinking until five. Uh, I was busy running errands, trying to get some last minute Christmas shopping done, and way so sh- yeah, way to show restraint. I'm yeah, proud of you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I was tempted about nine o'clock this morning to start drinking. I've done that before. But I knew that I had a, to be driving, and you know what? Nothing's worse than holiday traffic, especially the last you know last few days before Christmas. It seems like all the roads are just packed, you know, jam packed with cars. People are driving like idiots, you know. They're they're blocking the intersections and, you, and a lot of road rage going on. And I just need to make sure I was on my top of my game, so I hold held off until after we got home. But I'll tell you, I've been uh, I've been drinking some some beers today so if if i tend to uh slur my words everyone you you know why that i've uh, i've partook in some beverage but that doesn't stop me from drinking one of my favorite holiday beers and in in the past it's only come out every two years and i'm hoping that this offering is is more seasonal on an annual basis and that's lagunitas brown sugar uh it's uh you know one of my holiday staples when it's released and I even though I had drank a bunch of other stuff, nothing's nothing's satisfies my need for craft beer more than this beer, and it's at 9.9% alcohol too, so uh, it it packs a little bit of a punch. We have a listener question from our good buddy Chew Your Beer, also known on Twitter at TPS Sponge, and he's uh, you know he's been really hitting us up with these. Uh, food questions on on twitter and this one is a pretty good question because we all have you know we all kind of have this problem i think at time to time but he says have you ever had a beer that you disliked but decided to give it a second chance and he's obviously not talking about just a second you know just taking a sip he wants he means a full beer you had a full beer you drank it and you're like man this beer sucks and then um, he says that a second chance beer for that, that he dislikes tends to be used as a marinade. And he says spicy beers are great for marinades. And he asks, are there any are there other ways that you have given a beer you don't like a second chance? Have you come up across any beers that are great for marinades? So for me, I'm just going to answer the first question first here. Have you ever had a beer you disliked but decided to give a second chance? Of course. I rarely will drink... I mean, there's there's been a few beers that I've drank once and said I'll never have again, and those are usually beers that are way to an extreme of one end, right? Something that's very unique that I know that it's not a 
you know, a beer that, you know, if I don't like it the first time I try it, I'm probably not going to like it the next time. And some examples are uh, Rogue does these voodoo donut beers. And the first one they made was a bacon maple maple bacon donut thing. And it was the most it was the most the crappiest beer, one of the crappiest beers I ever had. Uh, have you had that any of those, John? Those uh, rogue voodoo donut beers? Uh, yeah, the I've only had the maple bacon donut one. Oh, and did you like it? Uh, I wouldn't. Ha- I wouldn't order another one. No. Um, I didn't think it was really unpleasant, but it just wasn't really something that I generally enjoy. Did so. Did you drink the whole twenty five ounces by yourself, or did you just have a sample of it? Uh, no, I didn't have the whole bomber okay yeah yeah though if you drink the whole thing um it's very hard to stomach because it's uh just to let our listeners know the maple comes across sweet and this the bacon isn't really bacon they just threw in some smoky flavor that was very artificial and so the sweet smokiness just like turned my stomach i just want i was drinking it and i just wanted to puke it was really difficult to drink um so that's that's one beer that yeah you know what maybe that would make a good marinade although again i don't know about maybe for some chicken or something or some pork maybe for pork that'd be okay you know some maple bacon donut beer in pork Uh, but i'm not going to spend 15 bucks just to put that in a marinade that's a little bit of expensive marinade for me um, I've had some other beers, you know, when John was here visiting me, we had a couple tasters that were, uh, beers that probably I would not order a full glass of, uh, and I probably wouldn't drink them again. Uh, I forget exactly what they were, but at the time it was, you know, we, we were pretty adamant that we weren't going to enjoy those beers, but uh, I'm trying to think of a beer. Have you, John, you have a beer that you tried that you didn't like at first, but you went back years later and, or maybe even months later and tried it again and, and really found that it was a good beer. Uh, I was actually trying to figure this out and I, I couldn't, uh, I, I know there have been cases of that, but I, I couldn't pull out the specific examples. Um, unfortunately. So, okay. All right. Well, have you ever used a beer for a marinade? Uh, no, I haven't used a beer for a marinade. I don't know. I think of marinade just like throwing something on a, you know, some chicken breasts or mm-hmm. a steak. Um, but I have, uh, used beer in a brine. Um, so last year I did our Thanksgiving turkey in a beer brine with, uh, Deschutes Jubal Ale. Mm-hmm. Um, which it was a little sad. That was a lot of Jubal Ale to pour, um, <laughs> around the turkey, um, but, uh, it, it worked out really well. Um, but the other method I see a lot with meat is braising. Um, you know, you sear the meat and then simmer it over, uh, in, in a liquid of some kind, which mm-hmm. could be beer. Yeah. Um, and I just had, uh, some beef braised in a porter at the mug club, like holiday dinner, um, for my local brewery airways. Uh, it was really good. The meat was really tender and juicy and uh i think that pairing went really well so um yeah try a porter uh with some of your your beef um so 
Um, but you know, I think with anything, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about pairing beer to drink with your meal. I think you want to think about it the same way when you're going to cook with it. You know, what does the beer bring to the table along with the the food? What how does it compare or contrast? And you know, is it going to work? Mm-hmm. You know, the the jubilee ale works. You know, it's the maltiness and you know some of that dark fruit kind of character you know pairs with the rest of a thanksgiving meal so mm-hmm. bringing that into the to the turkey is just kind of a natural natural pairing yeah yeah i'll agree i um i also i have not actually used beer for a marinade but it does sound very interesting and i think sponge bobbies or or chew your beer or tps sponge whatever you want to call robert i'll call him robert I think he has a good, uh, you know, a, a good idea to use some of these spicy beers. You know, a lot of times these uh, these uh, breweries are throwing in some heat into their beer. You know, whether it's habanero peppers or jalapeno peppers or chipotle peppers. And I'll be honest with you, I enjoy those beers in a very small amount, like four to six ounces most. That's about all I can drink of one of those type of pepper beers, unless it's very subtle. But I think those type of beers might add a great flavor to to a nice uh, chunk of meat uh, if you if you're able to marinate it in that with that spiciness. I think it would add you know a very good taste. So uh, I'm gonna try it. I'll definitely try it in one of my next beers that I get that. That maybe I, I only want to have a sample of that pepper beer, but I don't want to drink the whole thing. Maybe I'll use the rest of that pepper beer in in a meal. So I want to thank Robert for that suggestion. Now, I do use beer occasionally in when we cook foods. Now, not all the time, but there are a few things that we do have recipes for that we, we throw in a beer. And that's uh, pot roasts, stews, and soups. And even some chilies. You know, we have a chili recipe that, that calls for uh, a bottle of beer. Most of the beers that I actually use in these, though, they aren't beers that I would... You know, they're, they're mostly beers that I don't enjoy drinking plain. You know, for example, you know, uh, when I'm boiling bratwurst in the summertime, I tend to use my leftover Sam Adams Boston lagers. You know, whenever I get a sampler pack, they always throw in like three of those Boston lagers. And... I either use them for my beer cocktails or or I throw them in food. And a lot of times I'll boil my brats in them. They, they're great for, you know, for bratwurst. Uh, and then uh, we also make a lot of soups during wintertime. And one of my favorites is, well, potato soup, which I made for John when he was here. I didn't, didn't have any beer in it. Uh, that, that recipe didn't call for beer. But I, we have another one is uh, cheese broccoli and a cream of broccoli. Those I we can we put a beer in. Uh, soups are really good. And I what we do is we just substitute the amount of water or liquid that they put in it. We put you know beer in. And sometimes you have to put a little extra uh, Worcestershire or some other spiciness to it to kind of uh, you know give it a little extra pizzazz. But you know those are some examples of of beer that that I necessarily won't drink by itself but i will add into food you know to answer robert's question all right anything else on that john 
No, but now I want some broccoli cheese soup. Yeah, broccoli <laughs> broccoli cheese soup is one of my favorites. So I can just suck that down. It's it's good. It's good. Well, thank you, Robert, for your question. And uh, with you know leading from that question into our brew buzz segment, uh, and a brew buzz segment, just so everyone knows, is devoted to discussing various beer related topics. And this week, I want to discuss holiday cooking with beer again. Uh, thanks to Sponge Bobby for his question that kind of piqued my interest, and also seeing a blog post on the Stone Brewing website about you know a couple holiday beer recipes that I decided to go ahead and just let's talk this week on on cooking with beer during the holiday seasons. Now, a lot of times, and I and I'll, I'm going to throw this little caveat out: I have not tried any of these recipes, but it kind of piques my interest, and I think that these are some some interesting recipes that I think would really work well with beer. So I just wanted to throw these out to our listeners. Maybe you guys can uh, go ahead and try them out for yourselves if if you if they sound interesting to you. And the first one, again, Stone Stone put out this blog, and they had two recipes that use their beer. One of them, the first one was the Stone Imperial Russian Stout Fudge with Beer Candied Pistachios. Now, this sounds awesome. Stone Russian Imperial Stout is, you know, one of my... I really enjoy that beer, so that's that's a, a positive. The problem is, is I am not much of a sweet kind of guy, and fudge is one of those things that is very difficult for me to eat, so I wouldn't necessarily make this for myself, but this is something that I might make and bring to a party where I don't have to eat it all, but I can share it with my friends. And it, it's, I mean, it really sounds interesting. I'm not going to go over the recipe. Uh, I will have links on the show notes if you guys want to find it, but you can just go to the Stone Brewing website and go to their blog and just, there'll be a link in their blog for these recipes. But it, um, it does use uh, the Russian Imperial Stout in in the actual fudge recipe, and it uses it in the uh, the candied pistachios, which I thought was was pretty interesting. Uh, there's some notes from the cook, and they, they, it's quoted: "I had a hunch the inherent flavors of the Stone Imperial Russian Stout would meld well with those of the fudge because the beer's palate is predominantly coffee and chocolate, which nicely augment the fudge." Also, Stone Imperial Russian Stout isn't as hop-forward as other beers, but still has a little hint of bitterness that helps to balance the sweetness of the dessert. I thought that was uh, nicely said from the from the cook that you know how it pairs well with the sweetness and the little bit of a bitterness that that stout has. Yeah, I think uh, you know paying attention to the hops is probably the one of the hardest things when cooking with beer because mm-hmm. it's it. it you know, gives that bitterness, and if you're not careful, and that the beer reduces, that bitterness will intensify. True. And can really, really turn a dish uh, sour pretty fast. Um, well, not sour tasting, but turn it south, like not be good anymore. Yeah. Um. So I, I yeah, I think definitely paying attention to the hoppiness in your, in the beer that you're going to cook with is a a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. I agree with that. I think that's the the hardest thing for uh for me when i when i especially mixing it in the dessert like ice cream or something you've 
which we'll talk about later in this episode, in this uh, segment, but it can be a real challenge to, to find the, the right balance with the flavors for sure. Uh, the cook also says, hey, when trying this recipe out at home, be sure to follow it exactly. It says fudge is finicky and it, and a little too much of this or not enough of that will make a big difference, especially where consistency and texture are concerned. It says also it's a good idea to open the bottle of beer you're using for the recipe in advance so that carbonation levels decline, thus making the beer better suited for use as an ingredient. And he says, I like opening a beer a full day in advance, but don't worry, I set aside the beer I need for the recipe and then make sure the remainder is properly and immediately consumed. We all know how important fresh beer is after all. And I thought that was kind of a, a fun little, uh, you know, thing that they, he said, because, yeah, a lot of times, you know, when you're cooking with beer, these beers aren't typically cheaper beers. You know, the good, high-quality beers you're going to use for these recipes, you know, if you let a beer set out, 22-ounce bottle set out, and you only use, you know, 10 ounces, you don't, you don't want the rest of it to go to waste. So make sure you set out the proper amount for your recipe and go ahead and consume the rest so that we don't waste any of that good beer that you purchased. Yeah, and I uh, don't actually remove the carbonation from beer when I cook with it, mm. um, but I also don't make things like fudge. Uh, usually when I'm doing beer, uh, it's something like over the stove or, you know, where I've got, I'm adding it to heat or I'm going to be heating it quickly um, and that that heat will drive out the carbonation. So I don't think it's really something you have to worry about. Okay. And, you know, in a, a marinade or a brine, I, I don't know that it's that important either, but something like fudge, uh, I think you could run into some issues, especially with the texture of it. Yeah. If you don't have the the carbonation out of there oh yeah yeah that's i think that's what the key was is this is not fudge is already one of those things that it you know it's a fine line between good and bad and and the texture is very important because fudge has to have that you know has to be hard not hard hard but you know firm well i don't know what it's got what's that texture called it's like it's not uh, i don't know there's some kind of a term but but Getting that type of texture right could be a challenge, especially when you throw in a, an extra ingredient in that's not normally used in the process of fudge. So, All right. The next one that Stone had is, is one of those Christmas treats that nobody enjoys getting. Uh, but you know what? This one sounds fantastic. It's, it's called the Beer-Soaked Fruitcake. With bourbon barrel aged arrogant bastard L whiskey sauce. Wow, that alone just sounds delicious. Yeah, and I tell you what, if I'm putting that in into my fruitcake, people better eat that damn. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's not it though. That's that's just in the whiskey sauce. The real beer that's inside the fruitcake is is one of their now again, it's hard this is one that was only released a short period of time, so you can't find this beer, but they said you can substitute the other thing. But it's basically there's uh, and you know I'm going to have a hard time saying the Stochasticity Project Quadrotritical. Uh, it's basically a Belgian-style quad. Oh, I was watching that word and just waiting yeah. for this moment. <laughs> yeah. So um, so it's a, it's, it's a Belgian quad. And uh, again, notes from the cook. He said, 
I tested a number of our beers. He's tested Stone Smoked Porter with chocolate and orange peel. Also the Stone Smoked Porter with vanilla bean. The Stochasticity Project Master of Disguise. The Stoch... I can't even say this. Project Hibiscity. That's what you had the other day, John, right, on the show? You had the project, yeah. A few episodes ago. Yeah, and more. And he said, in the end, the best of the bunch was the Project Quad. I'm just going to call it that. He said, this was a hearty surprise. The Belgian-style quadruples and strong holiday ales are built for cold weather imbibing and bring forth the winter spice and the dried fruit character that just so happens to be what fruitcake is all about. As such, you needn't rely on the stone beer for this recipe. Any quad or non-hoppy dark Belgian strong ale should fit the bill nicely. So the loose cannon, John, might be perfect for this, right? Yeah, that'd be a good use for that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so you can make me up a, uh, a fruitcake. If I you want. Make you okay. <laughs> all right. He said, uh, he also goes to say, honestly, all the aforementioned beers I tried turned out delicious fruitcakes, too. So experimenting isn't all that risky, so long as you avoid hop heavy brews. And he says, ditto. The sauce recipe for those looking to entertain with the December staple. I altered the cream-based bourbon sauce, switching out bourbon barrel-aged arrogant bastard L for the spirit. But the other beers would work. In fact, a tasty, a very tasty sauce can be whipped up, switching out some or all the beer for some unadulterated bourbon. It all depends on how potent you want the whiskey level. So mess around and find what best suits your individual taste, no matter what you do. As with beer, opt for something all natural and handcrafted over something once mistakenly labeled and applauded as modern technological marvel. So, uh, I thought that was a very interesting recipe that, um, and a different spin on fruitcake and a fruitcake that maybe I might enjoy. Yeah, I might have to look into this one. Yeah. So, yeah, so fruitcake isn't all that bad. So those are the two from Stone. Well, you know what? I found some other recipes on uh, craftbeer.com. And uh, here's just a few of the ones they listed. The one that that I thought was pretty good here that, that was very interesting is it's the chocolate chip cookies with bacon, beer, and cayenne. That That's like a, I mean, bacon, beer, and, and pepper. So the author of this article, Lauren... Oh my gosh, Weersma is a production team member at Left Hand Brewing Company and has created the perfect combination of sweet, salty, and spicy with her chocolate chip cookies made with Left Hand Hands Milk Stout. Um, interesting. I mean, uh, again, I think you could substitute any milk stout in this recipe and, and have it good, but uh, I just was... Uh, Interesting recipe that uses crumpled up bacon and beer and chocolate and cookies. Um, yeah, maybe something. Another one, again, another. these are all sweets, mostly dealing with, with chocolate-type cookies. So these are chocolate stout cookies with salted caramel frosting and pretzels. That sounds fantastic, too. 
Uh, he said it says these salty sweet cookies from the Craving Chronicles, which is the uh, website that that listed this, combines caramel, chocolate, and pretzel with your favorite stout to create a bite-sized gooey treat. And again, they didn't specify specific stout. They just said any stout, any stout that you want to put in there, go ahead and put it in. Uh, something that I might might have to try again i'm not a big sweet fan i don't eat a lot of sweets but hey if it involves beer i might try it yeah those sound really good but i have to say the craving chronicles sounds like uh, a magazine for some other kind of recreational uh, activity <laughs> yeah 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 oh this it's craving chronicles so those were two chocolate type uh, cookies well hey i can't leave out the white cookies so here's the white beer cookies and these cookies are made light and fluffy with the addition of a whipped beer and fruity from fresh orange juice and zest. So if you want more of a white cookie, hey, you can have a white cookie using whipped beer, uh, which, which would be nice. Uh, these, are all, these can all be found on the craftbeer.com site. Just do a search for, uh, for beer recipes on their site. So those are ones I, I've never baked with beer but i'm thinking about having to try real soon but what i have done is i have drank beer with ice cream and my favorite um ice cream beer float or or uh yeah float is the young's double chocolate stout with haagen coffee ice cream and uh this is this is something to die for. I mean, I know it's, people think mixing beer and ice cream is, is not a good thing, but this is the perfect, in my opinion, the perfect combination. So what I do is I take a pint glass and I place one scoop of haagen coffee ice cream. Now, sure, you can substitute other coffee ice cream in place, but if you want to have the right consistency of the coffee and cream and everything, haagen is the way to go because you're not going to be short changed on the on the quality of the ice cream the ice cream is going to be quality and the mixing with the young's double chocolate stout it makes a perfect uh, blend so one scoop in a pint glass fill the rest with beer and then i just take a spoon and i stir it up a little bit and i can you can eat the ice cream out with a spoon and drink it at the same time and it's fantastic john have you ever had a beer float uh, I have uh, only with, it was just Guinness and vanilla ice cream, but I think I'm gonna have to, you know, win a husband of the year award or something here and prepare this for Kristen uh, after the the baby comes. So I think this would just win me lots of points. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't I can't believe you guys haven't done this already because that, I mean, Sarah just now. Now she I shouldn't. She she's gonna be upset because she can't have this anymore because she's got some some health issues with food. But um, but this was her favorite when she was able to eat it, and uh, it's it's good. It's one of my it's it's my favorite uh, beer dessert, and I I just want to give that out to all of our listeners of one that I've personally tried. But you know what? There are other float options out there, and I haven't tried any of these, but. I think I'll try all of them because they sound very interesting. So there's an obscure combo that is uh, mixing a Belgian double with rum raisin ice cream. And it says the rich dried fruit character in the Belgian doubles plays well 
with the rum-soaked raisins, the vanilla in the ice cream brings out the richness, richness of the beer. And I could see where a nice double, Belgian double, would, you know, would, would really be nice with, uh, with some of those rum-soaked raisins and vanilla ice cream. Uh, that, that sounds delicious. Another one, hey, if you want to get something that has more of a IPA, then they say use a, a slightly tart, wheat-heavy IPA like the Lagunillas, Little Something Something, and a scoop of lemon sorbet. I mean, sorbet or sherbet, I guess, whatever they call it. Um, or for a more tropical sher- sherbet like passion fruit, is intensely refreshing on a summer day. Think about the fruity, hoppy flavors present in the brew and pair a soft sorbet to those. Now, again, not necessarily a Christmas holiday drink unless you're living in Hawaii or Belize or somewhere south. But, hey, it sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah come summertime, I think that would really hit the spot. Yeah, and again, it... It's a little lighter than, you know, something with ice cream. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so you don't have to just use. If you want to use something with more hoppy flavors, you can use some uh, sorbet. So that's nice. Another nice one here, uh, Nencasi's Vanilla Otis, which is a, which is a porter. No, oatmeal stout. It's actually an oatmeal stout, uh, with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. It says this beer is creamy with a very delicate vanilla flavor. When you add the vanilla ice cream, that creaminess and vanilla is amped up. So there's one you can use, just a, a nice oatmeal stout with vanilla ice cream. I should just use my vanilla stout with vanilla ice cream. Or, you, yeah, use your or own. Some chocolate ice cream. That'd be good, too. Yeah, yeah. That well, doesn't help the listeners at all, but I'm getting all <laughs> <laughs> that, that That helps, that helps. Now, for the chocolate lover, it says, Nothing beats Southern Tears Chocolat. This beer is like a chocolate bar in a bottle absolutely amazing now i've had it and it was way too sweet for me but that's being said i think it'd be great as a dessert beer with ice cream it says place a big scoop of vanilla ice cream in a glass and you add the creaminess and the milk chocolate character to this beer uh, I, I think i can enjoy that beer more adding some vanilla ice cream to it sounds good have you had that uh, southern tears chocolate yeah, I don't find that one too sweet. The one that's too sweet for me of theirs is the brulee. The oh yeah, um, yeah. That one is almost sickly sweet. Yeah, um, that, I agree. That one was way sweeter. Both of them are too sweet for me, but um, you're right. The brulee is way way sweeter. All right, you think that would make a good beer stout though? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. I I'm craving one right now actually. Yeah, I might have to go make myself some dessert after the podcast here yeah yeah (laughs) and the last one i'll mention is one that it says uh a not so intuitive beer ice cream combo is steagle's grapefruit rattler and vanilla ice cream it says this combo makes inspiration from a creamsicle but with grapefruit rather than orange the main aspect to focus on is when choosing these pairings is to find a beer with low bitterness something about sweetness of the ice cream really emphasizes the bitterness and can make for a more terrible pairing if not kept in check. So um, this De- this Deagle's uh, Grapefruit Rattler is really good, except it's only like 2.5% alcohol. <laughs> so it's great for summer when you want to down a bunch of beers, but it, 
it's almost to me it's almost like it's not even a beer because it's so i mean it's good it's just like drinking lemonade grape actually grapefruit aid um but you know what i think it would make for a very interesting beer float whether it's vanilla ice cream with it or even a sorbet i think it'd be fantastic yeah i was just thinking the the creamsicle route if you if you really want the orange you could mix up your own rattler type drink with like a whipped beer and some orange soda or something like that and put that with some ice cream good yes or even even just a whipped beer with some ice cream could get you some of that orange character so that'd be another maybe spin off of that that you could try out if, if the orange is more your style than the grapefruit yeah yeah that's a great suggestion great suggestion so John, do you have uh, that's all I had for for kind of mixing beers and food with the the holiday season. Do you have anything you want to add? So we've talked a lot about putting uh, ice cream in your beer, uh, but another thing to do would be put your your beer in your ice cream. Um, there's a place out here that does uh, an ice cream with the Elysian Dragon's Tooth Stout that works out uh, really well. Um, I've heard of ice cream is done uh, with uh, some of those Belgian beers, give you some of that fruity character. So if you like to make your own ice cream, uh, as an experiment with putting some beer in there, and it can turn out really nicely. So. All right. Oh, good suggestion. I, I've made ice cream. We, we actually have an ice cream maker at our house, but I've never tried to make the ice cream with beer. So I'm going to have to go find the recipe. And try it out for myself. And I love that Dragon's Tooth Stout from Elysian. It's it's a great stout. So. Alright then, that ends our Brew Buzz segment. But, hey, you thought we were done talking about food and beer? No, we're not. It's it's time. <laughs> a lot of people are saying, no, why not? Oh, stop, please. <laughs> oh, you know what? We just want to chalk. This is our food. This will be our, our food episode for 2014 uh, and we're going to go right into our food pairings uh, we didn't do one last week i think every other show we'll go ahead and do a food pairing segment so this was all brought up to again by our listeners who were asking about pairing different foods you know with with different beers and uh, this week uh, let's talk about pairing burgers and dogs with beer so john what do you recommend? What kind of beers do you recommend when you just want to have a good old burger and dog? So I would recommend anything. <laughs> before that sounds like a complete cop-out answer, um, I, I mean, think about, you know, your hamburgers and hot dogs. It's something, it's, it's kind of a platform for you to, to do anything with. So, you know, I think it, it all depends on, on how you top it. You know, if you're doing something a little spicier, you know, you could do an IPA or uh, a multi lager like a, a Munich Hellas or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the IPA would be complementing that spiciness and kind of ramping it up, um, while that lager would would contrast it and kind of tone it down. You know, depending on your your own preference or, or the you know the people that you're you're eating with uh, might. Uh, gauge how you how you go in that direction um you know if if you're doing something uh sticking a little more uh traditional or maybe adding some mushrooms or something like that 
uh, I would say go something like a brown ale mm. uh, for a nice complementing pairing, uh, more kind of earthy, malty, you know, that that kind of character to mm-hmm. to pair with the with the burger or, or even a hot dog with just some, you know, ketchup or whatever on it. You know, if you're not doing much with it, um, I think that would be an excellent uh, partner for your for your meal there. Yeah, I I I never even thought about mushrooms and brown ale, but you're right. That would be a perfect complimentary beer, especially if you have like a portobello burger that's just all mushroom. Uh, I think a brown ale would be perfect for that. Oh, definitely. So yeah, and then you know, I think it's it's been a while since we've had this this segment, um, but our food topic just kind of begs for me to throw something <laughs> in here. So you know. Uh, our check it out segment where we talk about websites or podcasts or you know apps for your phone or anything that might be you know useful uh, for the craft beer world um, but I'm gonna throw out a, a website uh, homebrewchef.com it's a website for the homebrew chef Sean Paxton uh, who just does amazing things uh, with beer and food uh, every year he does the banquet dinner at the National Homebrew Conference, you know, cooking for, you know, a thousand some people. Every course uh, integrates beer into the into the food and is paired with something else. Um, and uh, I've also attended one of his dinners uh, during Seattle Beer Week uh, about three years ago, I think, at this point. Uh, it was a whole, uh, you know, Creole theme, you know, with uh, Firestone Walker. And all the beers were, you know, or all the, the courses were cooked with and paired with Firestone Walker beers. Uh, it was just amazing. Uh, he's a great guy. He's one of the nicest people you ever meet. Uh, I mean, he came around and talked with everybody and making sure, you know, everything's great. And, like, not just, you know, the, oh, courteous, <laughs> everything okay with your meal. I mean, he actually took interest and talked and actually remembered things that you had discussed before and would, you know, integrate it back. But, uh uh, I, I mentioned, you know, ice cream with uh, Belgian beer. I think he has a recipe for that. Uh, I I am a big fan of his uh, garlic IPA mashed potatoes. Oh wow! Um, which have become like a holiday staple uh, for for us. I make them every year now. People love them, so I really recommend those. So if you if you want to cook with with your beer uh definitely check out uh, homebrewchef.com he's got a lot of great stuff up there so wow great suggestion now quickly i mean for the garlic ipa mashed potatoes what you just like throw a dash of ipa in there or what's the what's the ratio of ipa to potatoes and butter or whatever what can you generally just give us an idea of that recipe sure so uh for the beer uh, to potato ratio, it's about it's two to four ounces, kind of depending on the IPA you're using and your own taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, to two pounds potatoes, I think is the base that he starts with. Okay. Um, and then a couple heads of garlic that you roast and. Oh, nice. Uh, your ho- your whole kitchen smells amazing when you're making these potatoes. So, but. Do you have a recommended IPA that you've used that is better than maybe another IPA? Is there like a you recommend one that has what type of hop character or flavor character would you or profile would you recommend for the IPA? Um, 
I think I've generally used uh, an IPA that tends more towards the piney side than okay. the citrusy side, but I've always used American IPAs. Okay. Um, not an English, like, more floral IPA, although that might be pretty good, too. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't had any complaints, so I, th- I think it's it's working. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to have to try that one myself. That sounds good. All right, that's an excellent uh, check-it-out topic. And you're right, we haven't had one for probably six episodes. <laughs> so it's good to throw one back on just for uh, mixing things up. So. Yeah, it's always great to hear the classics, right? That's right. Yeah, getting back to our uh, our roots. All right, John. Well, guess what time it is. It's time to open up our fat tires and do our... Ooh, nice, nice. Let me... Uh, I got mine on ice here. I'm going to pop mine open. And we're going to... Oh, man. You had such a good pop, and I had no pop at all. I feel... That's two two in a row that I had no pop. That's all right. Uh, you know, it comes with age. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine was nervous. Had stage fright. But, uh, hey, listeners, go ahead and pop open your, fa- your new Belgian fat tire amber ales. Put it into a glass. Prepare for our listener participation tasting notes on this on this beer so again we're doing fat tire it's from new belgian brewing out of fort collins colorado and this is an amber ale style the abv comes in at about 5.2 percent and the ibus are very low at 22 i uh my personal sampling i was trying to find this in cans and i could not find it in cans because i wanted to try what the what it tastes like out of a can but i i have a 12 ounce bottle and i poured it into a shaker pint glass what are you drinking it out of john what 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 what, uh what how'd you find it did you find it in cans or bottles and what are you drinking it in uh bottles i picked up the folly pack Ah, yeah me too so yeah nice um and i'm drinking it out of a uh i i really need to commit the name of this glass to memory but it's the uh pint glass that's got a little uh, curvature to the top of it. Okay. Whatever, whatever that is, it's some long name. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah, long name, the uh, curved top pint glass. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. So as I'm uh, looking at this now, and as I looked at it before, to me it looks like it's a, a very clear beer, and it's a honey honey coloring. How about you? What do you? What, how would you define the coloring of this beer? Yeah. Honey is a very uh, good descriptor for this, uh, but yeah, honey or uh, you know an amber amber color, you know for an amber ale. Yeah. Go figure, but it is what it is. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree. Honey is actually a great word. Okay, honey, honey, it is. We both agree on that, and um, it's I, I'm seeing a white head, nice creamy white head, one finger one finger head at that. Um, and there is some lacing on here. And as I, I drank one earlier today, and uh, it did have lacing that stuck to the glass. Not, like, super thick, but but pretty decent. How about your glass? What are you seeing? Yeah, I've got a really solid uh, solid head. Uh, mostly fine bubbles, but some larger ones. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple large ones, yeah. But, yeah, nice big head formed and uh, sticking around. So. All right. And, and if you take a big, giant mm, sniff of that nose, um, for me... I really get uh, kind of a, a quite a bit of malt, malt in the nose, uh, you know, some of that caramely, car, caramely malt, uh, and and there's maybe a little sweetness. And I kind of said the little sweetness 
to like kind of a fruity sweetness, but I don't know, you know, and maybe that's because I'm, you know, thinking of the taste also. But what do you get in the nose on this one? So yeah, I get a uh, little bit of caramel, some of that sweetness, um, but uh, I get a bit of cracker. Yeah. Uh, as well. Okay. Kind of make almost makes it like a graham cracker, um, but not not quite. Uh, you know what? That that's the word I was missing earlier today. Graham cracker. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, graham crackers is about right. Nice. That's see. I sh- we should do our tastings together like this all the time so that when I can't think of a word, you can just whip it out and tell me what I'm thinking because graham I'll cracker al- is right. I'll always whip it out for you. No <laughs> all right. And uh, so as I take a sip, let me take a sip real quick. Hmm. I'm getting a lot on the front. I'm going to say it's like that graham cracker and I was missing it earlier. I was saying, and, and I wrote my notes down, some toasted biscuity. You know, I, I was kind of, uh, you know, like toasted caramel, toasted biscuity caramely malt flavor. And then with, with just a little hint of, of that fruitiness, not heavily fruity. And I don't even know what, I don't even know what it's from. It, I, don't, I don't know if it's from the hops or from the yeast, but I, I get this little, you know, taste of, of fruitiness to it, but not heavy. Um, how about you, John? Uh, yeah, I'm not getting any fruitiness. I didn't get it in the in the nose. I'm not getting it now. Mm. Um, uh, so I'm not sure what you're picking up there. Um, it's in the back of my throat. So when you take the sip, it's the first thing I taste at the back of my throat. It's like a hint of of uh, I don't know of of not. You know what? I take it back. Not fruitiness. Maybe more on the um, more on the cit- maybe a more citrus thing, like a lemon, like a zest, like a lemon zest, maybe or something on the that's on the back end. Fruit. So okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not getting that. But I do get uh, more. I get more of the caramel uh, in the flavor than in the the nose. Uh, yeah, a lot of so a lot of, I, a lot of caramel. I get a lot of the yeah that caramel malt character and more of that cracker bread type yeah type thing. But I think the the caramel sweetness kind of takes takes center stage here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree that um, that definitely the, the the caramel the caramel is is front and center for sure. Yeah, and I'm not really getting any any kind of not much hop character at all. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, that no, nothing from the yeast. Okay, okay. So the body, um, I, I'm thinking it's more of a lighter bodied. It might be light to medium bodied. Uh, it's definitely not heavy. Um, it has a great mouthfeel. Very smooth. Very, very. Whew, as I burp up, very drinkable. How about you in the body? Uh, I would describe it as medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, medium body. You know, medium carbonation level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, real smooth. It goes down easy. So yeah, it I, I it definitely goes word. it definitely goes down easy. I uh, and and I'll t- one of the things about this beer is back in the late '90s, I actually really enjoyed Fat Tire. Then come into the 2000s, 
it's almost like the recipe changed or something changed where it gave an off flavor to me and I didn't enjoy it. And now I've, I'm coming back to it now after many years of not drinking it because I just didn't, it just didn't taste good to me. And I am pleasantly surprised that it's kind of gone back to the original roots that I remember Fat Tire being like. Now, maybe we were just getting some bad batches that kind of tasted like like it had too much uh, of a different malt. Maybe, I don't know if they changed some of the the materials they were using or whatever, but it had a, a funky malt flavor that just off-put to my taste buds. And now, after the two I had today, I'm really enjoying this beer. Uh, it's, it's very pleasant. Um, so with that said, going to the finish though, um, also, uh, I, I agree, John, that this is much more of a heavier on the malt side, but it does finish with a subtle bitterness, not hoppy, like, you know, not a hoppy bitterness, but just a little bit of a bitterness from the, the hops. And, uh, it's surprisingly because I, like I said, like you said, there's no real hop presence in it. You don't, you don't sense that there's a lot of hops in here. And again, knowing that the IBUs is 22, um, yeah, it's not, it's not high, it's not low, but it's right in the you know in the mid section of the of the hops. So uh, I, I would expect to have a little bit of bitterness from it. It's well balanced, and again, I do think it leans more to the multi side. Yeah, uh, there there is a light bitterness there um, that just kind of helps balance out some of that malt. But you know, an amber ale should be. Uh, stronger to the malt um, although I would describe 22 IBUs as low um, at least for craft beer um, which is to be expected with the style I mean, mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's not a, a knock at all it's just um, I mean when you think about the the big brewers of the world uh, you know they're clocking in at like 10 yeah um, so uh, 22 is is so it's it's low, uh, especially for craft, but it's really where this style should be. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, th- yeah, very light bitterness, but uh, it's got a very pleasant finish, which I think you know we we talked about it going down easy, and that uh, that's what helps contribute to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, hey, for newbies, um, I say yeah, newbies, drink this up. I think this could be your gateway beer to anyone who is not sure about craft beer that wants to get into it. This, this beer is definitely one that is easy to drink. Well balanced is not going to be off putting, uh, to your palate. And I think it's going to, uh, show new people to uh, craft beer that, Hey, beer can, can actually taste good. What do, what do you think, John? Oh, definitely, definitely a, a beer to, to try out if you're, new to craft beer and trying to figure out uh, what this is all about um, you'll definitely get more flavor than than the the big breweries and uh, but not uh, so much that you'll be scared away so. yeah <laughs> yeah so as far as the oh and recommended glassware uh, I, I mean any kind of pub glass shaker glass I think is fine you don't need to have a fancy glass for this beer what, you have anything different to say? You think you need a fancy glass for this beer? Uh, no, you don't need a, anything too fancy. Okay. Just want to make sure I wasn't uh, you know, off track. So, And my rating, um, I'm going to give it an average rating. I'm not going to, I'm going to say, hey, uh, this is not a bad beer. It's not a great beer. It's a, it's a good beer. Um, 
Is it something that you need to always keep in your fridge? Maybe, if that's what you like. Uh, but for me, it's a beer that now I think that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely enjoy it more when it's in those sampler packs instead of regretting having to, to drink it. It's definitely a, a good beer. What about you, John? Uh yeah, definitely a good beer. Uh, I would actually say keep it stocked in your fridge. Mm. Um, you know, it's something that uh, you know I definitely don't mind drinking. But at the same time, my friends that come over uh, that aren't necessarily into beer, it's something I can give them without wasting uh, my IPAs or pills. <laughs> I just absolutely hate. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'd keep some of this around for sure. I mean, probably not a case, but a six-pack. Okay. I, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept that, John. I, I will agree with you that if you do have friends that like to come over that maybe aren't, you know, enjoying the higher hoppy beers or the higher, the, the bigger stouts and stuff, that this is a, definitely a good beer for them to enjoy and, and, uh, and not waste. So I'll agree with you, John. Excellent. Hey. Listeners, I hope that you also got something out of this review and maybe your takes on this coincide with ours. If true, then let us know. If not, let us know and we will uh, make sure we mention you on the podcast for next episode. All right, so that's the end of our tasting segment. Um, I have a few uh, craft beer industry news articles, but... You know what? We're running kind of low on time, so I'm going to just talk about one right now. The the one that I thought was uh, the most surprising, or at least the most insightful uh, article. And this is Beers That Americans No Longer Drink. And this is off of the website 247wallstreet.com. And uh, this basically this, web, this uh, article is talking about how the decline of seven of the top domestic beer offerings have, have lost quite a bit of, of, of market share over the last five years. So according to data provided by the Beer Marketers Insights, American sales of seven major brands, including Budweiser, declined by more than 20% between 2008 and 2013. Another key factor in the weakening sales has been price dynamics. It says beer prices were increased more aggressively over the last five years than wine and spirits. Uh, many people in the industry believe that, as a result, some customers customers replace buying beer with with the now relatively less expensive wines and spirits. Which is interesting because I wouldn't have guessed that domestic beer prices were uh, increasing that much. Now I don't buy Budweiser, Miller, or any of that stuff, but in general, are they, John? Are they not still pretty low price for for beer? You can get a, a case of Budweiser for a lot less than than a, a twelve pack of craft beer, right? Yes, I I don't follow it uh, closely, but yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get a case of twenty four or something still for twelve bucks. Yeah, which, uh, would be a steal for a twelve pack of craft. So yeah, yeah, so. Um, so that kind of surprised me. Unless they're averaging prices and, and you know including all those craft higher craft prices in there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, at least from a pers- perspective of you know just glancing at it every once in a while, I don't I don't recall it jumping. Yeah. 
significantly anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's kind of a, a weird statistic that they brought up there. The other thing, they say um, wine and spirits. Now, I will maybe agree that that uh, uh, that hard alcohol, liquor, uh, it hasn't really in- increased very much. I mean, I'm, I'm still able to buy from 2008 to now, I can still buy a fifth of of my same quality tequila or rum or vodka for 20 bucks for a fifth. Uh, and, and that's the same price I paid. I mean, you know, maybe it went up $2, right? Maybe it went up 10% in five years, but that's not a, a huge incline. So I'll agree with, with the uh, spirits, but wine, uh, it's hard for me to believe that wine is cheaper. You know, I, wine is expensive. I mean, I, I think that when you buy a, what what is it 750 milliliter bottle of wine for on average for a, a cheap bottle is you know 10 bucks right i mean higher quality wines are going to are definitely going to be more but i i still don't see a lot of wines that are under 10 dollars i mean there's a few but you get what you pay for but if you want a decent bottle of wine you're going to pay 10 to 15 bucks and that seems that doesn't seem like a, a good deal. That, yeah, you're getting a little bit more alcohol at 16, you know, 14 to 16% for a bottle than you are for some beer. But I don't know. I I, I don't know if that – I really agree with the, the fact that, that beer has increased significantly over wine and spirits. Mm. So, I, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, Washington producing a lot of wine changes that for me. But I, we rarely pay over $10 for, for decent wine. Um, usually in the eight to ten dollar range, uh, even cheaper for some of the local places. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think you can get a bottle of decent wine that you know isn't going to offend uh, for close to or maybe a buck more than a bomber. And, yeah. You know, you're yeah you're getting a, a lot more alcohol. A, a bomber that yeah in terms of alcohol yeah just talking you know <laughs> yeah yeah uh but you know a bomber that's going to get you to that 14 percent is going to be way more expensive you're going to be pushing you know 20 bucks probably okay i'll, so. I'll agree with that but i want to but I, and maybe it's also that there's a lot of box wine like that black label box wine which that's like one and a half liters for you know 10 bucks i i can see where some of maybe yeah. a lot of people are going to that too they didn't say that's exactly true. what quality of wine true but th- those are the best juice boxes ever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well they say also um because uh while some of these customers have been moving to wine and spirits others are switching to imported beer and they say particularly mexican imports indeed in the five years through 2013 shipments of mexican brands dos Equis and modelo especial more than doubled he says similarly he added, some drinkers are moving to craft beer. Clearly, there's been a trade-up in the industry. So here's where I got, you know, this whole time I'm reading this article, and I'm kind of just taking bits of the article. It's a big, it's a pretty long article. I'm just taking bits out of it. I was shocked when they said that the reason why they're declining is because of, uh, you know, hard alcohol and wine. And then they, the next thing was Mexican imports. I'm like, really? Are people really switching from their Budweiser to Mexican imports? I just thought that was kind of odd. And then the last little bit, they say, oh, yeah, and some craft beer. Um, what do you think, John? Do you think that the Mexican imports is is over with the craft beer? You know, do you think 
people are are moving to Mexican imports over craft beer? Well, I can't say for at least Modelo, uh, Anheuser-Busch doesn't care because that's part of the AB InBev family. <laughs> um, so they're okay with people going to there, uh, to that one at least. Um, I'm not sure about Dos Equis. I don't, I'm not exactly sure who uh, is in, okay. uh, has that one. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it could be, you know, kind of that, oh, it seems more... Or, I don't know at a higher level. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, just because it's not Budweiser or something, so it could be something that people see themselves as, as stepping up when uh, it's not a huge step up. I would call uh, a lot of the Modelo beers better than than uh, a lot of the American no, brands. But yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. You know, it's kind of funny because back in the late '80s. Uh, in early 90s, the same kind of movement. It wasn't Mexican beers. It was Canadian beers. And it was funny because just today on Untapped, I was, I, I made a comment to one of one of my followers on Untapped, uh, Brian Miller, if he's listening, and he, you know, he checked into Molson Lager, and I remember back in the late 80s when that was like one of the key beers that people were drinking when they were when they were going outside of the norm and drinking something besides the bud the 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 the, the heavy hitter was the imports from Canada Molson Moosehead um what, what other one I can't think of the other ones but there's a bunch Labatt. of yeah the bad <laughs> but these were that was the big in thing at the time in the, in the late 80s was when they were getting Canadian imports now it's switched from Canadian imports to you know Mexican imports which seemed kind of weird and you know in reality i think that that the craft beer movement is definitely putting a uh, a little bit of a, a, a you know a shock to these guys with their with their beer intake because now people are you know they're slowing down on the amount of these other beers and they're you know they're, they may not be totally going away from their bud their budweiser's and their their other beers they may be like having so much, you know, a couple six packs of good quality craft beer, and then a, a couple six packs of, or or a case of their Bud instead of having three cases of Bud, right, or whatever. Um, I think I don't know. It's kind of we'll see. I I think five years from now, I think this will be a whole different article. I think it will be how craft beer markets have dominated in taking away the market shares. That's just what I hope is going to be the headlines. So and, and and with that being said, here it says craft beers have largely bucked the overall downtrend in beer sales. So now now they're saying, hey, beer sales are going down. Except guess what? Craft beer sales are going up. It says from 2008 to 2013, shipments of craft beer rose 80.1 percent to a total of more than 16 million barrels, or 7.6 percent of the U.S. beer market. While the craft beer category now outsells Budweiser. That Budweiser regular, it means it remains a relatively niche market. For comparison, the nation's top-selling brand, Bud Light, shipped 38 million barrels in 2013, according to, and that's a, accounting for 18% of all beer shipped. So, yeah, um, I mean, craft beer is making you know, is making headway, but we're still quite a you know, quite a ways away from even, you know, we're, we're still half of, you know, over half of what one beer is selling at 18% of the of the beer shipped. So, 
Uh, but you know what? That in five years, that could be different. You know. And now I think that helps put into perspective what we talked about uh, a few episodes ago with you know what is craft and why the the Brewers Association really wanted to keep Sam Adams in the fold because mm-hmm. you know they're over an eighth of that production. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. So nearing a quarter probably at this point of that production. Yeah. All right, so this article is all about identifying the seven beers that Americans no longer drink. And this is the the countdown we're going to do. So the 247wallstreet.com site reviewed figures provided by the Beer Marketers Insights for all brands with more than 1 million barrels shipped in 2008. All of these seven brands reported a 20% or more decline in shipments in the in the five years through 2013. So, coming in at number seven, we have Miller High Life, who lost since 2008 21.2%, or, and they shipped in 2013 4 million barrels. 4 million barrels is still a lot of beer, but, uh, but they lost 20%, 21.2% uh, they lost to whatever, you know, to, to wine, spirits, and craft. Uh, number six, Miller Lite. So now we had Miller High Life and Miller Lite. They lost 22.6%. They shipped 13.7 million barrels. That's still a lot of beer that Miller Lite is is, uh, is selling, but they lost 20% of the market share. Uh, number five comes in at Budweiser, regular old original Budweiser. They lost 27.6%. They shipped 16 million barrels in 2013. Number four, which man, I'm I'm so shocked that these these beers, these next two beers, are even still being manufactured. But number four is Milwaukee's Best Light. They lost 40.6 percent of market share in 2013, from 2008 to 2013, and they only shipped 1.01 million barrels. So uh, I have to say. I had the exact opposite reaction of you uh, when I saw these on the list. Not that they were on the list at all, but when I saw the the barrelage for these <laughs> relative to Budweiser, it, it may just be my Midwest upbringing, but these just seemed all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, back in Ohio. And apparently they're not that big. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I, I was shocked that they were, you know, only a million, and we'll, we'll get to the next one. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, that... That's what actually surprised me. So, yeah, I guess we just come at this from different uh, experience levels. So, but. so my experience also comes from visiting Ohio with my buddies. That's the first time I ever had Milwaukee's best light. Uh, was when I visited my friends in Ohio. Uh, Beast light. Yeah, and yeah, and <laughs> uh, and that was the biggest thing. That's all we talked about was the beast. And I'm like, what's the beast? And we went and did. And I'll tell you, the beast. Uh, really kicked my ass. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mess you up. yeah, <laughs> we we had a campfire on the river uh, in Marietta, uh, Ohio, where I was visiting my friends. Uh, I don't even remember getting from the riverbank to the house. Uh, that's how messed up I was. This stuff just kicked my butt, and uh, yeah, it's 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 the real deal. It's um, so yeah, Ohio. It's it. The Ohioans love Milwaukee's best, so light. Uh, which number three is Milwaukee's best? 
at 57% loss. They only shipped 580,000 barrels. Now, that's still a lot of beer in craft terms, right? Because that's, I mean, there's a lot of breweries that don't ship anywhere near that. But, man, they, they lost 57%. So they were just barely making over a million before. And now they're down to half of that. That's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, number two. Miller Genuine Draft lost 58.3% from 2008 to 2013. Uh, in 2013, they only shipped 1.175 million. Um, I'm actually I'm surprised it's that low. I thought Miller Genuine Draft was a lot more drinkage th- than that, but uh, I guess not. I guess Budweiser still has them beat by a ton. I mean, and even Miller Miller Light and Miller High Life. Uh, you know, four times the amount. It's just for for Miller Highlight. That's incredible that it's that yeah. much. Well, at least from an advertising perspective, you see a lot more for the High Life than you do the Genuine Draft in, in terms yeah. of a more full beer. I mean, Miller Light. There's even more, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miller Light was uh, when I was in the Navy. Uh, Miller Light was the you know was the the beer that I drank when I needed cheap beer. Um, you know, hey, it's it's triple hopped. Yeah. Triple hop, so it was the best, right? But, uh, yeah, it's surprising. So, number one, uh, and no drum roll, because it's Budweiser Select, which, you know what? I don't even know what Budweiser Select is. Uh, It lost 61.1%. In 2013, 525,000 barrels. Um, Yeah, who cares? I mean, really, Budweiser Select... People drank this for it to make a list like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It only made a list because it was barely over one million in 2008, and now it's, you know, way under one million. So, but uh, interesting list that uh, that there's a lot of loss. These 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 companies are now. What does this say to the beers that that aren't on this list? So obviously Bud Light is the leader, right? That there, it's probably the it's the it makes up 18% of all beers shipped. It's shipped. 38 million barrels in 2013. Um, I mean, way above any of these. You know, Budweiser still shipped thir- or 16 million. So, but but this doubled it. You know, over over doubled it. Um, what other beers you think are on this list besides Bud Light? What what other ones would be a high selling domestic offering? Do you have any uh, idea? I bet PBR rose thanks to the hipsters. I bet that that one actually probably picked up market share. Yeah, all the hipsters, uh, yeah. And they actually have a PBR light, by the way. I don't know if you know that. It's very rare in the wild, uh, but it, it does exist. Um, uh, there there are no Coors beers on this list. Uh, ah, Coors Light, yeah. So very, you know what? That's a good observation because I forgot about Coors. So obviously Coors original. And Coors Light are both both must be doing very well in the markets and haven't lost more than twenty percent since two thousand eight. That's a Although good point. They may be sweating it because they're uh, it's Miller Coors. I mean that's the company, so all these Miller beers are dropping like flies. That's so. that's true. That's true. All right. Well, hey, that was one of the articles. I had a couple others, but hey, we're running a little bit long, and I don't want to drag on. But I thought that was a very interesting article that talked about how domestic beers are starting to lose, you know, decline in market share, and the craft beer industry is 
you know, is, is helping in that, uh, that decline. And I hope in five years, I hope in 2018, we learn that craft beer is now, you know, a lot bigger percentage of the, of the barrelage being uh, shipped out to, to consumers. All right, John, it's that time of the show where we have the opportunity to raise our glass and to give out a toast or two to uh, people that are special to us. So, John, do you have any toast you want to give out this week? Uh, I just want to thank all the listeners. That, you know, This is our, our last show of uh, 2014, and uh, it's been a, a great experience for me and really my first uh, foray into this podcasting world at least as a full-time endeavor. Um, but it's been great. Uh, you guys have been crazy supportive and uh, really enjoyed it. So please enjoy enjoy all your beers uh, these holidays and uh, don't do anything uh, too stupid. You know, mm-hmm. For uh, sure. A little stupidity is uh, you know to be expected and enjoyed, but uh, be safe out there, and, uh, and but uh, still enjoy, enjoy your beer. Excellent, yes. Well, you know, John, I want to raise my glass to you just thanking you for joining me on this journey and uh, you know helping me with this podcast to get craft good craft beer knowledge out to all of our listeners and out to the world so that they can enjoy what we enjoy. So thank you. Um, I also want to thank some of our listeners. Tim Price, uh, Tim Price on Twitter, Tim Price 75. Hey, thank you for enjoying the show and thank you for shouting us out on Twitter and for that iTunes review. We really appreciate it. I also want to thank David Bizzle at David Biz on Twitter for his support of the show. And you know what? For that awesome beard that he <laughs> he's growing, man. I, I'm right behind him. I'm just a little bit shorter than his beard, but it, awesome beard. I always I always enjoy seeing him seeing pictures of him on on Twitter and on Untapped. Uh, the only problem is I'm going to be going out of, out of the country here at the beginning of the year and I have to trim my beard down so I don't get uh, held over in, in uh, you know, trying to get back in the country. I don't want to be... I don't know. It'd be a great story for the podcast. <laughs> well, need to let it go yeah. for the sake of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I could do that. I also want to thank out or thank, uh, you know, all of, our, all of our listeners, but especially TPS Sponge, Yojimbo2000, Shawnir, Inboard, and Skytire for their support of the show and for all their awesome questions over the past several episodes. And I want to sh- raise my glass to my wife, Sarah, who has put up with me for 25 years. Our anniversary is tomorrow. And uh, I just want to give her a big toast. 25 years, and I'm glad that she's stuck with me all these all this time. I uh, also want to yeah, mention... Happy anniversary, and, and kudos right. to her for, for putting up with you. That's, <laughs> all right, that's thanks. A, that's a job I, I don't envy anymore. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> she, she's a she's a trooper. She's a trooper. I also want to shout out, uh, you know, raise my glass up to Hophead Hardware. They make some fine craft beer glassware. Uh, you know, you can find them on, online and uh, try out their glass glasses. And uh, I know John's enjoying his glasses, and... Hopefully one of these days I'll be getting my glasses and we'll be able to talk about it on the show and, and give you guys more information on it. Yeah, that's the uh, the tapered pint glass I don't know the name of. That's what, I'm drinking it up. Yeah, I think it's the Willie it's the, the, the Willie Becker or Beecher or yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, I need to have somebody's yelling it at their you know, iPod. Uh, right yeah, now, but. yeah. I need to have Jimmy on the show so we can talk about these glasses and exactly the benefits, you know, so when 
next year we'll have them on talk about glassware some more in, in detail for sure from an expert I also want to thank the Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show and for providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And I also have a special toast and cheers to go out to all the servicemen and women overseas this holiday season. I know from personal experience how difficult that can be, being away from your loved ones during the holiday seasons. And I just want to give you a little bit of New Year, you know, uh, holiday cheers. Uh, And I just want to thank you for all of your service and protecting our freedoms and allowing us to have what, you know, our holidays as we see them. That's it. Uh, If you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft. Or leave comments on the show post on openforumradio.com or Google+. Just search for tapthecraft. You can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at LooseScrew, L-U-C-E-S-C-R-E-W, and on Google Plus at Denny Loose. And John, how can listeners follow you? So I'm on Twitter at Prime Brewing, on Untapped uh, at Prime W-A, and uh, my blog's been dormant for a little bit, uh, but I'm hoping to get back to it here over the holiday break, uh, homebrewengineer.com, where I write about homebrewing and beer and stuff so check it out check it out that sounds good all right it's last call time to bring the show to a close i want to thank all of you for downloading and listening to the show and we hope you were able to find something useful and we welcome you to subscribe to the show on itunes or stitcher radio and we just a reminder we release a show every two weeks and that's it for this episode now remember Friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. Quality beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. And uh, in case you're new to the show, uh, this is Tap the Craft is a podcast. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> oh, do you know what, John? This is, I, it, I shouldn't have bought that holiday sampler of uh, New Belgium because I've finished half of it already in just a few hours. And <clears throat> obviously my tongue is already tied. And it doesn't help that I'm drinking brown sugar after. Yeah, I just noticed that in the notes. I was yeah. Like, oh, this is going to be a fun show. <laughs> I, I almost didn't do it thinking, ah, I don't need to add more alcohol. But I said, hey, I'm a professional. I'll be able to handle it. But uh, it's okay. I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> let me try Let me try that, uh, that second part of the intro uh, real quick here. Okay. Tap to Craft is a beer... <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying <laughs> What's, what's the word that Matt can never say that they've been giving him crap for the last like month and a half? Uh, uh, subscri- I don't know. Subscription, subscription is what he Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, new new rule. We're gonna have to. We're gonna wait till you can say subscription like five times before subscription, we start. So can... Subscription, 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 subscription. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. Okay. You got this. All right. Here we go. According to the data provided by the Beer Marketers Insights, American sales of seven major brands, including Budweiser, 
Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> yeah, I think you've got that in there twice. <laughs> okay. Let me delete that out of there. Hey, it's Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. Alright folks, take it easy. Have a good day.